0: Another episode of Tales from Tales from the Crypt. I mean, Crypt Speakers. This is Sessie our,
1: our alternate title from one listener, aka your <laughs> spouse. Yes. This is Jay Tyler.
0: <laughs> and uh, today it's very exciting because we're finally moving on
1: to season two of Tales from the buh, Crypt. Buh, buh, a brand new season,
0: B- very similar
1: to the last season.
0: And uh, yeah, we're going to be talking about the premiere episode of season two, Dead Right. Um, mm-hmm. I also think it's really interesting. This episode brings us into the 1990s.
1: We are officially in the 90s, which I feel like Tales from the Crypt is often thought of as a early 90s phenomenon. Yes. Um, so the having one year in 1989 felt like a lie so now this is where the real tales from the crypt begins because we're in the 90s now yes we've got we've got a megawatt star power we're ready to go
0: the entire season one was just just for kicks it, i guess it season, was, yeah, season yeah it was two is
1: really it, where it gets off they were kicking the tires you know getting the puppet right you know trying to figure out you know is this a thing is this anything and uh they decided yes it was so we get a second season, um, and uh, he, here we are. Strap in, yeah. kids.
0: And one thing that I did want to uh, start off with is thinking about what was happening in the 90s, but mm-hmm. more specifically in 1990, just to right. kind of get us in that mindset. So uh, in 1990, the highest grossing movie was Ghost. Huh. If huh. You, and it- it's... <laughs> It's kind of a weird movie, I feel, to be the highest-grossing movie of the year.
1: Can you imagine? Imagine in the year of Our Lord uh, 2021, if anyone could actually go see movies in movie theaters. Yeah. um, If the highest-grossing film of the year was a weird, paranormal, murder-mystery romance Romance. uh, with an Academy Award-winning performance by Whoopi Goldberg. Yeah. Uh, just a crazy, crazy movie to be number one um in current circumstances. It doesn't even have a sequel in its title. Yeah. Like Ghost. Two. I don't think it, Yeah, Ghost 2, still ghosts in it.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um and what's really interesting about that is that Demi Moore obviously stars in Ghost, but she uh-huh. also stars in Dead Right, which is the episode we're talking about tonight. Um, yeah so it's actually really interesting this episode tells tales from the crypt which is the debut of season one aired in april of 1990 and ghost came out in june or july of 1990 so this mm. is only a few months before ghost comes out um i feel like um correct me if i'm wrong demi moore was probably you know famous but not as famous as once ghost came out and that movie was everywhere
1: well you know talk about the you know like a shift from the 80s into the 90s like Demi Moore is sort of a member is is sort of a tertiary member of the Brat Pack so she's like with Emilio Estevez and Rob Lowe and all those guys making movies she's in St. Elmo's Fire she actually dated uh, Emilio Estevez for a bit Um, is married to Bruce Willis by this point but like, yeah, like Demi Moore goes from, you know, supporting actress has a couple starring roles to her name, to After Ghost, like looking at her resume is one of the biggest movie stars, like not even like biggest actresses, like just top notch, like biggest movie stars of the nineteen nineties. Um yeah. Like in it and like by the year two thousand, that runs like kinda of dumb. Like she makes like some cool like supporting roles later on like appearances but it's mostly like doing a victory lap of like i was the biggest movie star on the planet and now i'm just gonna sit back and do character work yeah
0: Um, a lot of actors i feel do that
1: yeah no and, and good honor for just you know like getting the money when she could like really leveraging her success and then just like sitting back and and getting back into the fun stuff
0: yeah and i i remember a lot from the 90s uh I remember "Strip Tease" was a big deal,
1: mm-hmm. and it was a, a highest-paid actress at the time.
0: Yes, and it was also a big deal that the name of the movie was "Strip Tease," but there wasn't right. really much nudity in it, as far as I know. I've never seen the movie. Right. I just remember my uh, guy friends who somehow got their hands on like a VHS copy and then sure. complaining that Scandalous. like oh they didn't see anything.
1: It's yeah, it's not. It's not like softcore pornography who who knew that they, they you know uh, i always striptease is one of those movies that like in my mind like you know that came out in 96 showgirls comes out in 95 those films are like forever linked in my mind of like in the mid 90s we were just loving making movies about strippers
0: yeah they're very much movies of their time which yeah. is interesting because that's gonna come up uh in this episode as
1: well absolutely yeah strip strip clubs i feel like I would have to. I know there's at least two other episodes where I think there are scenes in Ship Clubs and Tales. So yeah. Common uh, setting.
0: The man who was Death had one.
1: Mm hmm. And, uh, the, uh, uh, there's, oh, I think there's one more. Maybe not. Maybe I'm making that up. Maybe I just imagine ship clubs. Maybe,
0: sometimes. maybe, uh, only Sin Deep just kind of felt like you
1: were right. Yeah, they had it, that it vibe. Sort of on the periphery with all the sex work. Yeah, yeah. Right.
0: Maybe. And so, uh, other things that came out in the year of 1990, uh, were Home Alone, Pretty mm-hmm. Woman, and mm-hmm. Dances with Wolves.
1: Yeah. So, a very diverse, very um eclectic film year.
0: And honestly you know, a good year in movies.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, weird white savorism of Dances with Wolves aside, like all those movies are are well made mass entertainment. Like I think that it's 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 a high period for like crowd entertainment cinema that is made with like craftsman eyes. Yeah. If that makes sense. Like it's like finely crafted populist entertainment.
0: And in the world of TV, speaking of finely crafted entertainment, uh, we have mm-hmm. the debut of Twin Peaks.
1: You're welcome for that segue, by the way. Yes, <laughs> Twin Peaks. Great show.
0: Yeah, um, and there's the actually, classics. there's a lot of Twin Peaks vibes that I get from this episode that we're going to watch. So I thought it was sure, interesting yeah. that all these things were happening at the same time.
1: Yeah, uh, Twin Peaks, I mean, David Lynch is just obsessed with sort of, Digging right underneath the skin of, uh, you know, popcorn Amer- Americana and this vi- movie or this episode. I, I Again, I still argue that all Tales from the Crypt episodes are just short films. But this episode largely functions as sort of a deconstruction of 1950s like romanticism in a lot mm-hmm. of ways. Yeah,
0: it seems like a lot of the episodes are kind of like that, but I guess that's probably because a lot of these were comics originally from the 1950s
1: exactly there's this weird yeah and and there's sort of the the gritty side of the 1950s that you know we don't talk about that there were congressional hearings about yeah there's sort of a a nastiness to them that uh serves as a sort of social commentary from these like at the time like you know so little like when we think about uh boomers as we as we think of them now like we think of boomers now as being the old guard, old generation, but keep in mind, like all the people who are directing episodes on this are boomers. All the people who are making creative decisions on the show, like the people who are like in their thirties and forties who are like clever and like rife for making this kind of commentary who grew up in the fifties and have a very specific lens to talk about it. Um, So I think that that's important to keep in mind when thinking about these things
0: yeah and speaking of uh people who are making these episodes um i'm
1: killing it with the segues today yeah i
0: know uh we have an old uh friend coming to direct this episode howard dutch whom Mm. you may remember from such tales from the crypt episodes as only Deep, which i liked and you not so much uh
1: i had some problems with that one um We'll get into this when we get into this episode. This episode feels wildly different from the last episode only send deep. only send deep has a very um workman like quality to it. like it's very much like here's the shot. I'm establishing things. This episode has much more of a like, oh you're doing stuff, Howard. like you're busy kind of setting up shots and setting up little camera tricks that are uh interesting. So yeah, I'm gonna kind of call yeah, those he definitely out as they has
0: fun with this one. He's, and, he's, he's
1: looser and having more fun with this one. I think.
0: Yes. And the writer for this is Andy Woke, who uh, mm-hmm. this is actually his uh, second ever script credit on IMDb. So this was very early on in his career. And I think it's kind of great that you start off your second sort of writing gig ever uh, or writing credit is Tales from the Crypt, which was such a big open coming uh, TV show at the time
1: yeah, I think one of the, the great things about tales, like as a format and as an idea is that you can kind of um, look at like establishing, like saying like, Hey, we have like big name, like Robert Zumeckis, you know, Walter Hill, Richard Donner are making episodes of the thing. And then you also have writers who are up and comers. You have directors who are up and comers who are just like dimming their toes in the water. And so it's this playground that like different people can kind of go in. He, uh, um, Wolk is a primarily a TV director. He's directed a ton of stuff, like looking over his, um, yeah, very IMDb. prolific,
0: mm-hmm. very
1: prolific, like one or two episodes of a bunch of stuff. He later will direct an episode of Tales as well. So, we have that to look forward to, I think, next season, yes, uh, or a couple seasons down the road, maybe. And
0: then, know. uh, starring in this, we have Demi Moore, whom we already mentioned, uh, and then mm-hmm. also Jeffrey Tambor. Which mm-hmm. was interesting to watch. Um, and we'll get into why uh as yeah. we talk about the episode, but it was a little unsettling to to see some aspects of his character in this episode are a little um problematic and it was yeah. it was difficult to watch this knowing what we know now uh with his history of uh sexual harassment towards women.
1: Mm-hmm. Sexual harassment, you know, verbal abuse. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, Jeffrey Tambor, I, I, I need to. I'm going to give a disclaimer here um, because I think it's important to acknowledge that there's no there's no body of work, there's no acting that excuses off-screen behavior that is abusive and um, violent. Um, I think that that's important to to give voice to. Um, so know that when I may later give some enthusiastic praise to a performance by a person who seems like he may be a not great person. That is not me co-signing that. I think Jeffrey Tambor is, I want him to be my dad or anything. Um, what I'm saying is I think that there's a performance here that is interesting from a person who is problematic to say the least. So I just kind of want to throw that out there. Um,
0: yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It, it's, I, I feel like we are morally obligated to say Jeffrey Tambor might be a bad dude. Yep. So
0: So we'll we'll learn, actually, in this episode (laughs) uh, a little bit about about that. Uh, So if we uh, get right to it. Uh, So we open uh, with a uh, with the Crypt Keeper uh, and he Mm -hmm. is using a crystal ball and uh, he just immediately hams it up. He's like, look into the future, my darlings. Uh, and for you, I see something grotesque. It will sicken and disgust you. It's me. <laughs> and I just absolutely loved that little line.
1: I I think there, you know, we, we, we were somewhat joking a bit about them kicking the tires on that first six episode season. I think the energy of this intro is so much better than anything yes. in the intros in the first uh, six episodes like it's like something clicked and they're like okay here's wh- how the creep kicker talks acts like he's not as you know lethargic like that's what i realized when i watched it was like, like oh he looked like he's having fun here as opposed to just kind of like rolling in and doing his job um you got like hints of that i think the highest point of that is actually in the first episode When at the end, when he's like shocking himself over and over again, that's the closest you got got to this level of just manic uh, enthusiasm for the horror genre. Yeah,
0: it's almost like they were like, "Hey, you know what? We have a really good thing going here with this character. We should let him do more."
1: Yeah, just let him go and just be
0: just be ridiculous, and that's that's what you get here in this intro intro. Um, And then he talks about how uh, tonight's tale is a tale about a gold digger who wanted to use money to buy baubles. Um, And it stars Demi Moore and Jeffrey Tambor. So Mm -hmm. we uh, open, uh, and we actually get right into the action. There's, like, hardly any sort of establishing shots or anything like that. Uh, So we open with Demi who I'm going to essentially call Demi for the entirety of the episode just because we don't actually learn her name until about like a third mm. of the way into the episode. And it's the same yeah. thing with like the three, uh, the two other major characters, uh, who's Jeffrey Tambor and then this fortune teller that we're about to meet. We don't really learn their names until like halfway through and like three quarters of the way through the episode.
1: Yeah, it's like Andy forgot to put it in there, and at some point, like, was like, "Well, I probably should figure out a way to mention these characters' names." Uh, Tambor's character's name is the is the weirdest. Like, oh, by the way, my name is. Yeah. But yeah. Like all of them, kind of like they have to like bend over backwards to get their name in the scripts.
0: One um, thing though that is it's interesting that they struggled so hard to get in the characters' names, but yet uh, there's a dog in the fortune teller's shop, and we learned <laughs> the dog's name right away.
1: The dog's name is Trotsky. Yeah. Which is a great name for a dog. (laughs) Of course. And he's Um, a very good boy. Yes.
0: And uh, literally my first notes were, Demi walks into the fortune teller's shop and there's an adorable dog. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But yeah, the dog is not the fortune teller. It's some lady. Uh, yeah, and she boring. says yeah boring that's that's not the type of show i signed up to watch <laughs> uh, but then uh, yeah so the fortune teller says hey uh sure i can you know do your fortune and it's gonna be 20 bucks and to me says uh well you know i don't really believe in this stuff but if i can do this over my lunch break then what the hell which right. is what i think people always say when they actually do believe in whatever it is that they're doing but they just want to sound cool like or i don't know
1: yeah no you you want to see you want to tell yourself that you're doing this just for fun and skeptic but then you're also giving away hard-earned money to to in your stated purpose not actually learn anything which seems foolish
0: it's kind of like the today equivalent of saying that you're doing something ironically
1: right (laughs) which you know i am
0: not a fan
1: of yeah, just just own that you like cats. Like it's yes. okay. No one you, you don't have to be ashamed of liking things. Like what that you might like. not be fine like craft. Yeah, own what you like. Like don't like try to hide behind like, "Oh, I like this because, yeah, whatever." I'm so over people
0: <laughs> also um, people not
1: understanding the difference between irony and sarcasm.
0: And so um so to me tries to see okay well are you gonna read cards or what do you do and fortune teller says well i have second sight so i use myself and i use you and i read your vibrations Uh, and that's how she does it so then she starts to try to essentially like read her she says you're a working girl aren't you pause a secretary which i thought was really interesting because when she said working girl i was like ah and then she like pauses for a second and says the secretary and i was like oh that's not what we think of when you say the words working girl
1: well working girl has a very specific meaning and uh howard's already made an episode about a prostitute so exactly. I, I was like oh sex we're worker. going to this road again sex worker sorry yes
0: uh and uh what i think is interesting though is the idea i think it helps establish that we are in the 1950s because she said working girl in a different time where it kind of means like right you're working you're not married
1: yeah you're you're not living uh simply you're yeah you're still working you're not married yet you're kind of just you're getting by is kind of what she's saying
0: yeah and there's always i think at that time there were sort of ideas that like if you if, if you weren't married and you were like you know there was no such thing as like a career woman right sure. um so there's there's a little bit of a stigma of like oh you're 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 a working girl. Uh right. you have to have a job. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she says, but you work, you work, you work, and you're waiting for Mr. Wright or Mr. Rich. Right. Uh and so the fortune teller goes on to say that, you know what? Uh you're actually gonna get fired today, uh, but by the end of the day, you're gonna have a new job. And Demi says, There's no way I'm gonna get fired because my boss is out of town. So I think you're full of shit. And she <laughs> walks out and she's like, oh, actually, I'm I'm late uh, from um, for to get back to work. So she kind of leaves in a hurry, gets back to work, punches in and she starts talking about how can you believe I went to see this fortune teller today and she told me this bullshit about how I'm going to get fired today. Um, And but I told her that my asshole boss was out of town. And guess what?
1: asshole bosses right behind her exactly. i'm gonna pump the brake. i'm gonna pump the brakes for one second i do this is one of those howard shots i want to want to really praise him for i don't know if you notice this that when she goes from the fortune teller's office back to her or fortune teller's like space back to her office there's a cut where basically it looks like she's exiting she's exiting the fortune teller's office but then the next step she's stepping into her office like it's like straight up a like Spike Jones style cut yeah. where she's walking from one room into the other one, and it's just like yeah, that's so, so cool, Howard. Like mm-hmm. Yeah, like yeah. it's just it's one like it's 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 such my shit. Like I love like just like playful little stuff like that. It's like you didn't need to do that. You just you're just showing yeah. off, and I and I'm such a sucker for that.
0: <laughs> uh, and so Demi says, "Oh, so what? Are you gonna fire me because I called you an asshole?" And the boss is like, "No." But I am gonna fire you because you were five minutes late, uh, from your lunch break. Yeah. Which, uh, I mean, five minutes you could either, you
1: really You could really you could read it either as him like trying to keep some pride about the situation and being like, No, I'm gonna fire you about this other thing, not because I have thin skin Or you could see it as being him being a title. But I it's think either totally, reading <laughs> Yeah. Uh, makes that guy look uh Awful. Not great,
0: yeah. Yeah. And so she walks out after being fired and she's just kind of wandering the streets when she stumbles upon uh, a man kind of unceremoniously uh firing a white uh waitress uh from a quote unquote restaurant. Uh but it is it's a little weird uh because as he is firing her, we notice that um the waitress is not really wearing a shirt. She's only wearing, like, a like a bra type of top. Yeah. Um, yeah, she's, like,
1: she's she's to a state of undress and is, like, kind of stumbling out and, like, I don't know if she's supposed to be intoxicated or just, like, disoriented, but yeah. Yeah,
0: like, it, it definitely doesn't look like, you know, your regular waitress at a diner.
1: Right. This looks like a breakup, not a firing.
0: Yeah, uh, and then, so... Uh, he fires her and then he says, oh, where am I going to find someone? Right as to me walks by. And so he says, hey, you, do you want a job? And she's like, right. sure. I mean, I just got yeah, fired. Do you
1: want a waitress? <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah she, she, he immediately, like, hires her on the spot, which is, again, what the fortune said was going to happen was that she was going to lose her job and immediately get a new one.
0: Yeah. And so she goes back to the fortune teller and she says, oh, my God, you are so right. Uh, so she kind of wants to know more about her future. Uh, and once again, we see this adorable dog, Trotsky. Uh, mm. And uh, the entire episode, I'm just kind of thinking, like, what is up with this dog? Is like, yeah. somehow the dog is going to play into the story, right?
1: Raw star magnetism. Your eyes have to be drawn to this yeah. wonderful pup.
0: Absolutely. And so it got me thinking, you know who this dog looks like?
1: Hmm. Wishbone. Yeah? Yeah. <laughs> uh everyone's favorite uh book-loving uh cosplayer Wishbone.
0: Yes. And so I was a little curious and I had to
1: look it up. Sure. So oh, I let went... see if this was the same dog.
0: <laughs> yes. is this in fact uh, Mr. Wishbone? Yeah, it and it's actually surprisingly difficult to to Google like, "Hey, what dog plays this this character?" Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um yeah,
0: yeah cuz I also, dog I agents didn't know... haven't
1: worked on dog acting rights uh, especially yes. hard recently
0: and on IMDB uh, it, it can be kind of difficult to like search for uh I guess what dog was wishbone not... It's like no yeah. wishbone is the dog <laughs> uh, and so one one other thing that kind of complicates this is that the name of the the thespian who who plays wishbone mm-hmm. is soccer. I guess they call him football in other countries. Uh, but <laughs> here in America, we call him soccer. Yeah. Um, and it was extremely confusing because I would be Googling like who is Wishbone. And I saw all these posts about soccer. Right. You, um, you,
1: you thought they were talking about like a soccer player who goes by the name Wishbone. It would be a great <laughs> name like, for a soccer no. player to go by. Yeah. yeah.
0: And so, so yeah. No, no uh, sports, please.
1: Of- only yeah. Only PBS dogs.
0: <laughs> and so yeah the the name of uh wishbone is soccer and good name for a dog um, great name for a dog and there's uh another little interesting tidbit that i learned about wishbone or i mean soccer is that yes. he was a resident of plano texas
1: hey texas that's where we're at um, yes. not Plano. uh not Plano is very far away from where we live um very but- far away God bless Texas, right? It's a great state to be in that doesn't freeze over and almost kill everyone.
0: You know, (laughs) and if we're going to claim certain actors or uh, performers, you could do
1: worse than Wishbone. Yeah, top of the list, Wishbone. Soccer. A number one with a bullet. Uh, Yeah. Should Uh, Should we pivot this podcast and make it about Wishbone? uh should we call maybe it, uh, maybe
0: do a spin-off
1: yeah i mean i love literature we could just be bone speakers
0: uh. Uh, that doesn't, that
1: doesn't, i have quite the same ring to it i'll have to think There's about that
0: probably a better name for that yeah i would probably do so, something else but yeah I, I was thinking way too much about this super cute dog um when so- we
1: <laughs> <laughs> when we reach fame and fortune and can start our patreon our patreon sideshow will be us watching wishbone uh, which is <laughs> yes very thematic to tales from the crypt
0: Yes, uh, it'll I have, be kind of like a palate cleanser.
1: Yeah, I have a wishbone fact. While we're in Wishbone Town over here, yeah. Um, do you know who the head writer for Wishbone was? No. The head writer for Wishbone was one Mo Rocca, who you might know from The Daily Show and CBS Sunday Mornings. Oh
0: yeah, uh, and a lot of yeah. VH1. Just
1: right. He's the I love I I love Random Years. Yes, know, I love potato chips. Uh, Mo Rocca, mm-hmm. so. So two stories. I so Mo Rocca did a lecture at my college, and I met him afterwards. Um, first and most importantly, he complimented my shirt, which made me feel very cool. Mo Rocca, fashion icon, liked my
0: shirt. <laughs> yeah.
1: The the second story. Now that we mentioned the I love stuff, he I, he was telling the story about how I think when they were making I love the '70s. There was an episode where he, like they were talking about uh, leisure suits and like the the like, and they were like. Hey, they told him, like, can you, can we get just get you on, on camera saying you wore a laser shoot to prom? He was like, I was born way after, like, there's no way I was like, be going to prom in a laser shoot. How old do you think I am? Huh. Like, no, 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 just just, 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 we just need to get you on camera saying that. It's like, oh, okay. So he says it, and then, like, the episode comes out. And they have him saying that and then cut to a photograph of someone else completely wearing a leisure suit that looks kind of like Mo Rocca. Wow. And so if you ever, I don't mean to burst anyone's bubbles, but the I love the decade shows may have been nothing but horse shit. <laughs> so, Such absolute right. lies. Yeah, yeah, just nothing but like, <laughs> we have a bit that we want to have and we need to like get these comedians to record it. Which like when you know that, and then you watch clips, you're like, yeah, these people were clearly fed lines that they're supposed to say. Yeah,
0: them. it's like, can you just say this thing? But I, but I didn't do it. Can you, yeah, but
1: just yeah, but just I, say it. But just it, say it. But think, think about how funny it would be if you did do that.
0: Thing. <laughs> it's just a joke, okay?
1: It's just a joke. Aren't <laughs> yeah. you a comedian?
0: Um. So anyway, uh, after tales that, the little, <laughs> yeah, yeah, tales from the crypt. Um, so, yeah, Demi goes back to the fortune teller and she's like, hey, you know, all this stuff you told me is totally true. Uh, so I want to know more. And so the fortune teller says that uh, she is going to meet uh, a man in black, not Will Smith or Tommy Lee Jones, um, mm-hmm. that she's going to Not guess, Johnny Cash. Meet, <laughs> or Johnny Cash. Uh, and she's going to meet this mysterious person and uh, she is going to get married to this person. And then soon after she's married, uh, her husband would inherit uh, a lot of money from someone close to him. And then soon after he gets that money, he would die a violent death.
1: Yes. The fortune is... uh, Slight spoilers. The the way the fortune is is told is very important to the twist of this episode.
0: Yes. Um, Um, And she says, and you will meet this man tonight. Yes. So she goes to her new job. I ninja. will say, Madame
1: mm-hmm. Vorna, who I, I at some point we get her name. Yes, Madame Vorna uh, has very specific predictions. Like usually when you get a fortune teller, it's like, oh, you're going to meet someone handsome at some point yeah. in your life. Uh, Madame Vorna does not fuck around with like giving hyper specific. Like these mm-hmm. big events are going to happen tonight, and just strap in. It's like
0: okay. Um and so so yeah she uh, I guess goes to her job and is kind of um keeping an eye out uh and while she's there uh the presenter DJ I don't know what you would call him he's also the bartender so I don't That's, know he it's a it's a man with many jobs
1: right he's a man of many hats he's the is he the same guy who hired her like yeah actually I other...
0: think it is yeah
1: yeah he's the only person who works in this bar.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and so she comes over and over the microphone, he says, let's give a warm welcome to our new waitress, Miss Kathy Finch. And this is like, again, a third of the way into the episode and we finally learn her name. Yeah. Um, And I also thought it was kind of interesting. Like, I don't know. I've never been to a, an exotic dance club, but I've just can't imagine that like hello we got a new waitress here everybody meet the new waitress like they would just announce it over the pa okay
1: Uh, Uh, that does seem like that would be weird sassy
0: yeah uh Uh, so anyway so she walks up to him and um she kind of complains about not getting great tips Uh, so he says, what do you think these guys come in here for? Um, and she says, well, big tits, not big tips. Ayo! (laughs)
1: Yeah. This is when, uh, Demi Moore goes on a roller coaster of one-liners from here on out.
0: Yes, it is like seriously one liners for like five minutes. Uh, So right as she says this, uh, Jeffrey Tambor walks in and now we don't really know anything about his character. You just kind of know like, okay, I guess this is going to be the guy, right? Because he's second billing and he walks in in a fat suit, but like not just like a little bit like enormous, Bat yeah. suit like literally like the penguin from Batman returns
1: like spherical yes right like the like, penguin's a great touchstone but like think of if Danny DeVito was 6'1", uh that's what jeffrey tambors walking around with here yeah uh, and it's
0: he's still very much like kind of looks greasy he has a prosthetic nose just it's, one of
1: the, it, it's 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 really well done like it's one of the more like just Truly uh, Like I think for an episode that up to this point Has been a little you know Shticky but grounded in something Resembling reality A comic book character walks in and it's like oh okay Here's we're going in this direction now Um, It it kind of goes Into some surrealist territory And and just how rotund he is
0: Yeah Uh, And so Demi notices him And she says hey who's this guy And the bartender says which guy she says, what do you mean which guy? He's so big, he probably has his own subcode. Oh, yeah. you mean the full-size guy? Not your type, huh? Not my type. Not even sure he's in my same species. Like,
1: woof. <laughs> I mean, running him down.
0: She didn't need to be that mean. You know? <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, like
1: it's one of those things where like, you, you've, you've made your point. Just, just
0: Yeah, just like, stop, stop it, he's already dead. Yeah. Um, And so he says, well, you know... He's one of our best and brightest, so can you go take care of him? And Demi goes over, and she, like, really just don't want to. And she's like, hey, uh, what do you want? And takes his drink order, and then he's like, hey, uh, so, you know, you're very pretty. And he, like, hits on her and tries to, says, like, hey, can you, you know, would you like to go out to dinner? And she's like, no, shoots him down. And then he says, oh, are you playing hard to get? She says, try more like impossible to get. So, yeah, she like really shoots him down hard. But then. Which is she, great
1: because the bartender is like, hey, that's one of our biggest customers. Like, if you could just. Can you just cool, like be
0: nice to him?
1: <laughs> just be nice to him for a little bit. Like, make no mistake. Like a customer in a place like this, like saying like, hey, you want to go to the other? Unacceptable. Like, yeah, that's not, Don't like, Don't so, do it. Don't. Yeah, don't do that. That m- makes the whole thing it break. It breaks the whole like <laughs> that you have Yeah, in a place like um, that. But but her response is just so complete. Like like even like her going up like what do you want? Like it's like okay, you're bringing a lot of uh, heat to this conversation right off the bat.
0: Yeah, she it's almost like she was kind of predisposed not to like him. Yeah, she was um, ready.
1: She walked in ready to uh, yeah. this guy the business.
0: And so uh, he comes back and he says, like, hey, on the same night, he just kind of, like, I guess, walks around to where she is. uh, And he tries again, uh, shoot his shot. And she's like, uh, or he says, look, I'm not going to take no for an answer. And she's like, well, how about never? Like, no way, not for all the money in the world. Um, so she's like very much like not into it. Uh, and then he says like, but the thing is you move me. Like, he's just <laughs> like, he's like, look, don't you feel this? We have this connection. And it's like, clearly he's clearly deluded because she's been shooting him down this entire time. But I guess he kind of maybe takes this as like flirting.
1: Yeah. I will say, I think there's a, I think that one of the things, um, that really works in this episode is more and Tambor have a really cool energy between them. Yeah. Uh, like right off the bat, like chemistry is a weird word to apply to it, but I can't think of any other way. Like th- there's immediate, like, like the, the passion that he has for her and the absolute disdain she has for him, like really reads. Um, and like you were saying, like, could it be that Tambor was just being an asshole and that's just all like actual, energy from her yeah i i I don't necessarily want to like we we, we, there's no way we can know um but boy does it like drip both ways of him just being like clearly infatuated with her and her like wanting nothing to do with him i
0: definitely don't want to speculate i think that they're just really good actors
1: yeah absolutely and i think that they nail that uh back and forth uh yeah really well
0: uh and so he says like hey you know i know i'm a little overweight and she says a little overweight and hitler's a little anti-semitic like
1: <laughs> bur- 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 <laughs> like one of the sickest burns yeah i've ever um, heard
0: yeah and that um after after that burn uh uh kind of Goes after Demi and just really corners her in a way that's just really uncomfortable. Um, right.
1: Again, everything up to this point has been unacceptable. Like, but this ratcheted it up to, like, a next level. Like, we need to call the police now.
0: Yes. And he, he just kind of corners her against a wall. And, like, as you were saying, you know, he's 6'1", and he has a fat suit. So he's, like, he's, he's being portrayed. a very portrayed, Yes. He's being portrayed as being, like, this really, like overpowering uh, person Mm -hmm. Um, and so she essentially runs out of there, books it and goes over to the fortune teller and then she's like, is this the guy that I'm supposed to marry? Because he's a pig. Like, I can't do it. I just, I can't. Mm -hmm. And then she says, look it is and I'm telling you, it's gonna be a short marriage so just do it. And to me it's like, Yeah, to me it's like, I don't think so. Uh, So the next day we see her going out to lunch with a friend in like this 1950s uh, idyllic diner. Mm -hmm. Um, And this is another time where I felt like I was watching Twin Peaks because it was like down to the outfits. The music is like Mm -hmm. very much like that Twin Peaks vibe.
1: We've not talked about the music in this episode yet. Um, it's trying to emulate like 1950s, like big band, like like sort of like like the right before rock and roll sound of the 50s, of sort of just like this like jazzy big band sound. Um, but it's all these heavy synths, so it sounds crazy. <laughs> like it's some of the craziest music we've had on the show yet. And
0: honestly, it sounds like something that you could hear like right now.
1: Oh yeah, like it would it would slap on the radio today. Um, it's one of the, like, it's one of those things I've been playing a lot of fuser and I'm like, I was like, the stems on this would be great. If I could I this just rehab.
0: downloaded fuser today.
1: <laughs> oh, we should share fuser songs.
0: <laughs> I don't know. I'm terrible at it.
1: It's it, it takes a sec. No, it's yeah. so fun.
0: So, uh, so yeah, she goes out with a friend and she's kind of telling her everything that's happened, uh, with the fortune teller and with this guy, Um, And so, again, the friend says, look, everything that the fortune teller has told you has come true. So, like, once again, she tells her, like, you should just suck it up. Like, it's not, you know, if he's going to die anyway, just do it. Um, And so Demi is like, well, I guess, I guess. And they start to sort of think about ways in which this guy would die because he's supposed to die like a terrible, violent death. Um, And this is another thing, I guess, that Howard Dutch did in this episode, where instead of cutting to showing you what they're talking about, they just kind of they show it off screen, but as if it's happening at the same time that they're having the conversation.
1: Right. They're having the conversation. And then like we kind of like we cut through the window to see Jeffrey Tambor. Like, wandering, like, around the streets. And then, like, yeah, like, they talk about, like, he could be hit by a car. No, he had to be hit by a truck to get him. He's so big. Yeah. And then you just see Jeffrey Tambor get hit by a truck, like, outside the window. Like, yeah. yeah. Like, from this point on, like, there's a very, like, dreamlike quality yeah, to it's a lot really of the surreal. scenes that hmm
0: And then... Which, like,
1: links again to that, like, David Lynchian vibe you were kind of, like, calling yeah like, I think that, that, that that's a weird... For a guy who was, you know, a um, John Hughes acolyte who made a, you know, we, we were divided on it, but like, I think we could both agree, like from a narrative and like visual standpoint, like, a very straightforward episode last time. Mm-hmm, this yeah. episode's weird. Like, it's visually weird on the choices that he's making.
0: Yeah, because right right after this happens, she starts talking about how, oh well, maybe he'll he'll choke on some food that he's eating.
1: Right, uh, and he's and sitting so, behind them and starts choking. Yes,
0: and it's really interesting because for a second you're like, wait, is he sitting behind them, like, right now? But it's all, like, in their head, and it's just the way that it's presented, which is, like, it's interesting, it's neat, it's, not, you know, it's... It's different. Like I said, it's not... They're not yeah. just saying it, and it's not just a cutaway. It's like... Right.
1: It's like in their space. It's like they're imagining... They're talking about it and imagining it and seeing it in their mind's eye in the space that they're in.
0: Yeah. So it, it kind of adds to that surreal quality to it, which I thought was uh, really interesting. Yeah. And so uh, after that, after they started imagining all the gruesome ways in which uh, this guy would die... Um, They, uh, I guess, uh, she goes back to work and Jeffrey Tambor comes back and he's like, hey, uh, do you want to go have dinner tonight? Uh, And she's like, "Um, no, sorry, I'm busy tonight. And then he's like, well, what about tomorrow? And he says, uh, she says, I'm busy every night. So, like, again, this is someone that she is actually considering marrying and she's still kind of laying it on kind of thick. Uh, but then right, yeah. eventually, eventually she's like, okay, fine, I'll go out on a date with you. Uh, and then she's like, oh, hey, I don't even know your name. And he's like, oh, yeah, I'm Charlie Marno. And it's like halfway through the episode. Okay,
1: this probably should have been know. brought up earlier in the episode of what my name is. <laughs> yes. Yeah. it's Charlie. Hi, I'm Charlie.
0: Yeah. And Wanna so date me? And so we cut to the date. Uh, And by this point, I think he says like, oh, you know, just, you know, standard date. I'll take you to a movie. We'll go to dinner. We'll go dancing. And I'm like, wow, that's like, that's like a a long date.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. I I was thinking the same thing. I was like, wait, this is all like at some point I was like, this is all one date. You're going to a movie. You're go dance. And then you eat a shit ton of Chinese food. three dates.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But okay. uh, Or maybe, maybe I just did it wrong this entire time. Uh, <laughs> right. Well,
1: or 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 maybe he's just like, I got one shot at this. I'm going to give her my three best yeah. dates. We're going to see a weird horror movie with cat people in it. I'm going to step on her feet and then I'm going to eat a bunch of Mugu Pan in front of her. Yeah. So they go,
0: they go to a Chinese restaurant and then he says, I love Chinese food except for one thing. And then she's like, you're only hungry about like 20 minutes later and then he he loves it yeah he just absolutely loses it it's the funniest thing he's ever heard and he's like oh my god how did you know that um she's just like oh my god like what did i do
1: (laughs) sinking under the table
0: (laughs) yeah um so it's just kind of like do you like not get out much or because like really that was not really that funny of a joke Uh, And so after that, yeah, they go dancing, and as you kind of mentioned, he steps on her, and she's kind of wobbling, and he (laughs) absolutely just blames it on her, and he's like, well, you know, I'm actually quite light on my feet. Uh, Mm -hmm. Sure, dude, sure. And after they they go dancing, he drops her off, and, uh, you know, there's the awkward walking her up to the door, uh, and he just barely kisses her i don't remember if it's just on the cheek or if there's lip involved it's incredibly
1: uh, chaste. it's not like he like goes in and like rams his tongue down her mouth or yeah her
0: it goes. is like a peck uh yeah. and then she like very quickly disentangles closes the door and then the next thing we see is just she's just throwing up like Got just it. from that little peck like she just couldn't take it she was just Which, so disgusted
1: which is actually, like, really shocking. Like, it's that that's one of those, like, weird taboo things in TV that you don't show people vomiting in television. So, yeah, like, it was one of those, like, it, it's subtle, but it's like, oh, that's unusual. Like, that's one of those things, like, I think you literally couldn't get away with this on network television in 1990. Um, so And yeah. now I'm
0: trying to think if I've seen any shows recently that show this, and I can't think of anything.
1: Yeah, I know that you're not supposed to show real vomiting on television. Mm,
0: like, interesting, because like, there is definitely... Yeah definitely some vomiting in here yeah there's
1: yeah there's definitely yeah for sure
0: and then uh so after that he and we don't really know how much time has passed if this been the only date they've been on or if they've gone more uh but he comes over to her place of work again uh and he says like hey babe look at me i got a new suit i'm looking you know like hot shit Will you Real marry? High me? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and she's like, wait, wait, marry you, but like, I don't know you. Uh and he like says, Well, you know I love you. And just like the way he says that, it's like it, I just don't know how to explain it. Like, it was so actually earnest. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, Well, what more do you need to know? Like, I love you. That's that's it. And she's like, no, right. but like, you know, I need to know about your family, like. And she's really trying to get at more of the situation. She's trying to get the information
1: of like what, what, what? When is she gonna? Where's this inheritance coming from? Like, just, yes,
0: and who? Like, and yeah, yeah. She's just trying to get more details, but also she just met the guy, and like, I mean, you do kind of want to know a little bit more before you get into a marriage.
1: Ceci, are you saying again? <laughs> we're about we're. We're both married to separate people. Important to note that. Um, If a guy took you on a date where, again, took you to a movie to get Chinese food and stepped on your feet. if The next time you saw him was like, hey, I bought a suit. Marry me. You wouldn't wouldn't throw yourself at his feet. That's not a winning strategy. Yeah, not at
0: all. I can't recommend it.
1: For unmarried uh, gentlemen out there. Okay. Yeah, don't do it. (laughs) Dating advice from the Crip speakers. Sassy says, "Don't do it. That's not gonna." Don't do it. With... Yeah, that's just. Yeah. It's. Yeah. Sassy Susie says, "Don't do it." She's the anti Nike. <laughs> uh,
0: and so, um, she is trying to get at uh, more information about just his family, so that she knows about this possible inheritance that he's supposed to be getting. Uh, and so he says, like, well, there's my uncle. He's rich, but you know, I won't ask him for anything. Uh, but mm-hmm. she's like, rich uncle, hell yeah! I guess I'll marry you. Uh, and they right. do. And yeah. so, this is actually really interesting, and we're we're almost at at the end
1: here, folks. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I know it sounds like we're we're moving a sales pace. The the back, like, the finale of this whole episode really escalates. Finally quickly. happens. Yeah. yeah. Uh,
0: and so, yeah, they get married and cut to them kind of getting into, like, the, I guess they move into her apartment, it looks like. Uh, and then yeah, we proceed, get- uh, we proceed to see, like, probably one of the most awkward, I don't want to call it a sex scene because we don't really see anything, but it's implied.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, and it's so
1: awkward. Yeah, though no, like so like we were talking about like the chase kiss uh Tamper gives it earlier. He does not give one hit here. Like no. he, he, this is this is what he's been wanting and waiting for. Um I can't remember if it's here or like later where his like his shirt's actually unbuttoned and you see like the fat suit like spilling out and onto the like you, yeah. you just yeah, you you see you see it all. Um,
0: yeah, and so right right as he starts to mm he he gets really close there and it's like yeah. really awkward. There's some boobitch involved. Mm-hmm. Uh and then uh, they cut right um as things start to progress and we see uh this like very nice uh choreographed uh dance scene between Demi and Jeffrey Tambor. That's kind of like reminiscent of like Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers, or maybe a little bit more like Gene Wilder and Peter Boyle in young Frankenstein.
1: Yeah. Um, um, this is, this is, Oh man, I don't even know if I want to say this. Oh, fuck it. Um, and have you, have you watched, um, I'm thinking about ending things yet. No. Okay. There's a stance sequence in that, that this is very reminiscent of, of like, you being in this like headspace where it's like okay we've reached this like climactic moment and then all of a sudden we're cutting to like clearly like it's like thought like it this is not actually happening it's sort Mm -hmm. of a depiction of like and it's like cutting between like what their married life is like and then having this like glamorous like dancing sequence yeah and so weird like i i can't emphasize i can like only how...
0: assume that this is like happening in her head as she is like disassociating from the situation that she doesn't want to be in
1: she's trying to create some fantasy that she can exist in to like get through because like when we cut to like the what's going on in their marriage it stinks <laughs> Like he's... yeah Like, he basically, like, married her to, like, have sex with her and have her be his maid seems to be the Mm -hmm. implication.
0: Yeah, and so there's a scene where, uh, again, it's, like, this dance sequence uh, cut to some scenes of their hashtag blessed married life, where Mm -hmm. essentially she's just doing all this stuff for him, like, cooking and cleaning and doing the laundry. uh, And he says something that really stuck out with me because I didn't really know what that meant. Uh, So he says, like, She's doing his laundry, and then he says, don't forget my BBDs. And I was like, what does that mean? Because I've never heard that term. But, like, I assume through context that it's, like, underwear. But I didn't know exactly, like, what that stood for. So I did some right. Googling. Okay, uh, great. <laughs> and uh, so all I found was Beersbergerson asserts <laughs> Bigger, Better Deal. Okay. Broken Beat dance Syllabus. Bent okay. bone dysplasia syndrome.
1: I'm seeing. I'm seeing the issue here. <laughs>
0: Big bang data science. Uh-huh. None of this sounds like what he was talking about. So I have no idea what BBD stands for.
1: Sure. Uh. So. <laughs> uh, it's worth noting. I believe the actual initials are B V, as in Venus D. Oh no. So I think that's that. That's that's where there's the confusion my spanish
0: ears strike again
1: (laughs) yes i think that is but also when i search bvd the first thing that comes up is bovine viral diarrhea so i doubt that's what is also being said
0: unless he had some bovine viral diarrhea on his
1: i guess this is he he could be part cow judging by the size of him he isn't he is in fact a heifer
0: so I guess according to Wikipedia, so you know it's true, <laughs> BVD is a brand of men's underwear. Okay. Uh, started in
1: 1876.
0: Oh wow! Okay. Uh, and ooh, I guess they are the predecessors to Fruit of the
1: Loom. Right, like I, I mean, I think that for me, BVD is sort of like short for like it's like before we had the term "tidy whities, That's what those were referred to as. Um.
0: Oh, this is really interesting. In other languages, in Ecuadorian and Peruvian Spanish, the term "bbb," pronounced like Mm. the English initials, is an eponym for a man's sleeveless underwear t-shirt. Oh. (laughs) I learned something today.
1: I I love how whoever wrote that (laughs) uh, clearly did not want to use the term wife beater, (laughs) because that's what they're describing. Yeah you know or uh, uh, i think i believe like typically cuz like awful also like obviously that's not what they're called on the packaging but like we all know what you're talking about uh an a shirt yes you know anyway
0: i love it huh. now I, I i have a new sh- a, a new term bbb
1: yeah th- 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 this has been uh Ceci's very <laughs> useful english language i have corner. learned
0: so much about wishbone
1: and yeah wishbone about wishbone yeah. Yes. Uh, you learned uh, in another episode what uh, hot merchandise is. So, like, really? Oh,
0: yeah. That's right.
1: Tales from the Crypt is an educational program.
0: Absolutely. You think about it. Uh, and so, yeah. So, after all of this stuff, Demi uh, is kind of getting tired of this, and she uh, talks to Charlie, and she says, uh, "Hey, how's your rich uncle?" Uh, and then he says. <laughs> Yeah, as you do.
1: Yeah, great. Hey, remember that rich uncle you mentioned before we got married? What's he, what, like, Did he have, like, cancer What's or anything? What's going to? on with that? Yeah.
0: Uh, and then he's like, oh, I don't know. He saw west with his family. And then she's like, family?
1: She flips with out. With his
0: family? Uh, yeah. And so, you know, he would, if he has family, that means that he would never get any inheritance. Yeah. Um, which like, how do you know? Maybe he did leave something for his uh, nephew. I guess right. Who, you don't know.
1: Yeah,
0: uh, you don't know how,
1: how close he is to his nephew. Or yeah,
0: how much and you don't know him. how yeah. rich he might be. So who knows? Right. Maybe he he would have left something for him. You don't you don't know. Uh, but mm-hmm. yeah, she just absolutely loses it, uh, and she just like storms out of there. And she goes to see the fortune teller again. She just, like, tells her, look, you were certainly wrong about this. You have ruined my life. I'm never going to get any money. Uh, and I just wanted to come here and tell you that you're a phony. You're a big, <laughs> fat phony. And I'm done with you. I'm done with both of you. She's just, like...
1: Yeah, going go real Holden Caulfield on her on her <laughs>
0: Yeah, and uh, so this is when we finally learned that the name of the fortune teller is Vorna, and is she's it really like, not until now. Yes, that is crazy. Quite until now. And she's like, "Vorna is right. Vorna is always right."
1: Um, that that feels like a mistake. Like that feels like one of those things where like. Like, he probably thought he had written it earlier, and it just didn't come up. That's so crazy. I didn't even realize it wasn't until now that she says her name.
0: Yeah. And so, uh, Demi goes to... I wrote a bakery, but I think this is called something else.
1: Okay. Uh, oh, automat? yeah. Automat? Yeah, yeah. An automat. It, th- that's, like... uh, Like, that's a very 1950s thing, where it's basically, like... It's, like... So, you know TV dinners? Yeah. Uh, People used to eat TV dinners out. Like they were so novel because they didn't have microwaves at home. So they would go to these places where they would, like, basically, like, auto their food to themselves.
0: Oh, wow.
1: Yeah. It's, Which it's is nice. essentially
0: some restaurants now go to a
1: Chili's. They just, you know,
0: <laughs> <laughs> they just
1: put your food sick. in the microwave. Bur, 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 bur. <laughs> we got Debbie Moore in here with the sick burns.
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so, yeah, I I learned yet another thing today. Um, so here i just i think she she grabs some sort of like roll so that's why i thought it was a bakery Mm, right um but yeah she goes to this place uh, and then right as she uh pulls out her food this like camera crew comes in and they're like oh excuse me ma'am excuse me you are the one millionth customer of this uh place and here's one million (laughs) dollars um which is bananas
1: I feel like this is a thing that happens in TV and movies, and I've never heard of happening in real life anywhere.
0: Yeah, it also seems like a million dollars is a very generous amount of money to give to your one million in, customer. In
1: 1950, it's a crazy amount of money.
0: Yes. Um, and so, yeah, she's like, oh, wow, you know, things are finally starting to look up for me. Uh, and I guess the fortune teller was right all. Or, or, sorry, was wrong all along. It was me who's gonna come into the money, not right, him. She got, her,
1: she got her wires crossed, and yeah. Yeah.
0: And so she goes out. She buys herself a bunch of stuff, and she comes back home with like super nice dress, really nice earring, bunch of bags. Uh, and she literally comes home, grabs her uh, luggage, and like I only noticed her putting in like a thing in her luggage like one piece of clothing like she wasn't even putting on a bunch of stuff and this is where like practical me comes in it's like you have a million dollars in 1950 literally you didn't need to go back home for anything
1: right yeah but you you went back there just to rub it in his face that he, he really yes
0: you could have just fled to hawaii and just live it up Um, but no, she had to go back and get this, like, one thing to put in her suitcase, uh, and rub it in, and, uh, so she's like, I have some money, and I'm gonna leave you, I never liked you, I could never stand you, uh, essentially just, like, tells him to fuck off. Uh, which is
1: hilarious, like, that she's, she's all, like, I'm just gonna be really mean to you, it's like, yep you've been mean the whole (laughs) time yeah exactly
0: (laughs) uh and uh he says like but what about what we have and she (laughs) says like every day with you was like an eternity in hell Mm. whoa like again like a little me. like you don't
1: want to kick a horse once he's
0: down (laughs) like just you're
1: literally you're living leaving the man you can let him have some dignity (laughs) Yeah. even though he is he is a slovenly mess who
0: who has not been particularly nice to her either no
1: but you're already out like you don't yeah yeah
0: and so um this is like really like weird interaction that happens but he gets mm. close to her pulls her close and kind of goes whoosh don't you feel yeah. that it's a connection
1: that- oh my god it's so creepy and it's
0: like just because you say whoosh doesn't actually make it a thing
1: yeah again dating tip guys don't don't yeah. don't try to make a connection with your mouth
0: and so um so she says like no I never loved you uh and then he's just kind of sitting there or standing there stunned uh, and she as she's walking away she says oh and Charlie eat a salad once in a while which I think is hilarious because when she comes home, he's cutting up vegetables. Yeah. Not for a salad. I assume it looks like he was making up a stew, but right. I, I do find it curious that Who she's knows? like he, he might has a thyroid salad.
1: issue. Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
0: and so he was chopping up some vegetables, and so he takes the knife and kind of hide, hides it uh, in his behind. Um, and
1: he has, wait, he has it in his behind. <laughs> It's a like, bad place to put like, a knife.
0: Like, hides yeah, be, it, like, yeah. Yeah,
1: like, behind his back, yeah.
0: Behind his back, yeah. He doesn't stick it in his behind. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, he kind of hides it and uh, slowly starts walking up to her. Um, and Demi kind of tries to run, but he overpowers her and gets fast really, really quickly. Like all of a sudden, he's like really. I guess he did end up being kind of light on his feet because he just like runs over. Oh
1: uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> Good catch. I w- I wonder if that's intentional. Like it's all of a sudden like, yeah, here here he is being what he said he was earlier.
0: Yeah, I hadn't and even thought about that. Yeah, so he like blocks the door, uh, and then she's kind of trying to wiggle she's herself
1: to, out. And she's trying to like basically like go back on what she had just said and like kind of like yeah talk and him she, into letting her go.
0: yeah but he's like if i can't have you no one
1: will and, right he just kind of starts chanting that and losing yeah it. and then and it's just, interesting because i feel like we at this moment we still have this weird i i mean i don't know i can't speak for you but i had not pieced together what the twist was going to be quite yet and so i was like but she's still, like the fortune like because i'm still a sucker and i'm mm-hmm. thinking like oh the fortune has to come true in some way like there has to be some method that the fortune actually ends up being accurate
0: and so yeah.
1: I'm like, so, I, so she's going to get away so when he i mean I'll just, I'll just stick the next step when we start stabbing her i'm like whoa like it actually kind of surprised me mm-hmm. that it happened because i was like okay yeah
0: and then uh after this happens we very quickly cut to him uh well i guess first we cut to uh her gravestone uh and then to him in jail uh about to be electrocuted for um her murder
1: Mm -hmm. which is being broadcast on television because it'd be the most raised show on television
0: and uh so it turns out that me was going to be the close relative of charlie who would inherit it who would inherit the money um who he would inherit the money from and when he dies a horrible death, it's because he killed her.
1: I can't remember. Does the newscaster explain all that? Like, does he no. kind of go through that? whole? Okay. Yeah. I can't remember if that was explained, but
0: no, he doesn't maybe. explain that. I think, um,
1: does Vorna, because they, they, they cut back to Vorna and does she at that point be like, yep, I was right. Yes. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, um, so yeah, they cut back to her and she says I was right. And then someone else comes in knocking on her door, trying to get her fortune read. Uh, And so after this, (laughs) we come back to the Crypt Keeper, who says, well, I guess Charlie got his just asserts, and he got seconds.
1: (laughs) Fat jokes.
0: Yeah. Uh, That is literally what I wrote in my notes. Lol, fat
1: jokes.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, once again, you know, Crypt Keeper doing much better in this episode.
1: Yeah, no, it's a... uh, gonna book in this this whole conversation by saying, like, yeah, I, I have um very good expectations for what the next uh, what the future episodes are going to be if they keep up this level of enthusiasm for Good yeah. Keeper. Because, like, yeah, like, I, he's he's <laughs> he's just as unvital for the show as he's ever been, but somehow, like he, like, he just preps you for the thing like so much better now than he did last season, at least yeah. this one episode.
0: And so, yeah, that's that's the episode. Um, so to get to our... Do you want to, to do the verdicts? The fu-
1: yeah, the verdicts. Um, so, for those who might be listening for the first time, first of all, hi. Uh, every episode we decide if it's going to be a Keeper, an all-time classic Tales episode that we think you, uh, folks should check out, or a Stinker, one best left forgotten. Um, I... I'm trying to think of how to justify this in my mind. I like this episode a lot and I don't know if it's, we had taken a short break between recording season one and season two. And I don't know if it's just getting back into it. I was like, Oh yeah, I do like the show. Like for all the issues that I've had with certain episodes here and there, um, this episode was a really great like re because it's so weird and it's, and it's scuzzy and it, it hits all the notes that I think my favorite crypt episodes do. I think the tambour stuff is problematic. But he's real good in this episode. Like he's real good being this like sort of yeah. hangdog scumbag, Um, and so I I I have to give him credit and I have to give more credit for like having basically this two-hander that they knock out of the park. So I really like this episode. I, this is a keeper for me.
0: Yeah, I have to agree. I also thought it was a keeper, and I think can... yay, Sessie, it's agreed. happened. We agree <laughs> finally. Um. Yeah, I think you can really see. Um, I don't know if maybe they just weren't given the resources before. I can't imagine that they didn't have resources in the first season. I just don't know what it is about this episode that really feels like it started off with with a bang. It feels. It just feels so much more polished. Mm-hmm. Uh, i don't know if it's also just like the performances like demi moore is really great in this like she just has quip after quip after quip and just like does not lose a beat uh and yeah uh, as problematic as jeffrey Tambor is uh his performance is like really um
1: it's effective uh... for what he's doing it's really effective and unnerving yeah. but like but they but like you said like they're just there are like like there are
0: moments where he sounds so earnest like when he says like like, what do you need to know about me i love you yeah
1: he's arching towards your sympathy but then like you but like he's he's such a malcontent and he's so broken that it's hard to stay there for long but like yeah like there are like when he's like i i love like he he means it when he says he loves this woman yeah he doesn't know what that means but he he has genuine passion for her um, which ends up being dangerous for both of them. Uh, but yeah, like he's, uh, it's an excellent performance, I think. But yeah, I, it, it, again, my, my main problem with only Cindy is I think Leah Thompson's performance lets it down. I think that this episode cooks on its two main performances and their interaction with each other. Uh, this is a great start to the second season.
0: Yes. Uh, And then also there's the um, the Twin Peaks vibe that I really enjoyed. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, I think that that's that. Yeah, the vibe of it, the all the weird, cool little camera tricks, the choices that um, uh, Dutch, is that how it's pronounced? Whatever uh, that that he makes are excellent. Like, I think I think again, I've I've talked on this this whole episode. I'm like, where was this guy last time he had an at bat for the show? Cause it feels like a totally different director and he feels like he's having much more fun. Yeah. Um, maybe it's and, just
0: a matter of them just being like, okay, first season was a hit. We got re- green lit for one more. Mm-hmm. Let's like really go for it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Maybe, yeah, maybe they, they, they're feeling themselves a bit more and knew that what they could get away with better. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like night and day, these two episodes in terms of like an authorship to it that I think really works um so yeah uh, yeah thumbs up uh from both of the crypt speakers um did uh do you want to go ahead and do our uh sort of uh housekeeping stuff do you have anything else you wanted to say before we go
0: um i know that we usually try to cast it with modern oh yeah
1: oh my god i (laughs) totally forgot about casting the crypt I, i yeah segment i came up with okay give me a second i hadn't even thought about this have do you have a casting the crypt or is the are these two performances so perfect it's hard to imagine anyone else doing it honestly yes
0: i have a yeah. hard time trying to think of who else could do this the only person that i came up with for the demi moore character was megan fox okay because she yeah. has like uh obviously she's gorgeous Uh, Mm -hmm. But then also, uh, I think uh, I I recently saw her in Jennifer's body, uh, and I feel like she has a lot of that same sort of deadpan delivery uh, that Demi does in this episode.
1: She can be very acidic when she needs to. No, that's a good call.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: I think the only one I like, uh, did you have one for Charlie or...
0: No, that one was difficult. Yeah,
1: well, so one of the benefits you have is that you don't have to like match body type because it's all the suit is doing a lot of that, the physicality, yeah, to some degree. um Somebody who I think can do that sort of—I mean, this is just the first person coming to mind because I'm thinking about this for the first time right now.
0: Kevin um, James. Brian
1: Krant- Kevin oh. James. I was gonna say <laughs> Brian Cranston. You know. Very similar actors in terms of their skill sets. No, I think, I think Bryan Cranston has that same thing where he can be super scary and super menacing, but also can like turn that on a dime. You're like, shit, this guy's had it rough. Like, and like you have a a degree of sympathy for him. Uh, I think he, he would really, uh, So you're, you're advocating
0: for Bryan Cranston in a
1: fat suit. Yeah. Uh, yeah 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 why yeah. why not put some stilts on them too just make them look completely crazy Put feathers <laughs> on them make them look like a bird <laughs> like, make it go real weird with it uh and um i made this comparison earlier but uh i think charlie kaufman should direct this episode i think charlie kaufman directed this script it would be uh great
0: interesting yeah I could go for that.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, so that is. That is been, that. That's been. Uh, that's a very
0: this, long episode, too. This it's is our just... longest
1: episode too, episode so far. Um, but we had a lot to talk about. We had a lot to unpack. Yeah.
0: Um,
1: I think uh, this episode's great. great. Um, you can check it out on a tube that's yours. I keep forgetting to mention that, that like when we watch the show. I don't know how much I should actually like dig into this but you can find this show pretty easy with a Google search if you want to, uh, because the rights are a mess. And so I think a lot of people post it thinking that there's not gonna be a DMCA claim. And so far there hasn't been. So, yeah. Uh, but if you want to watch along. Yeah. Thank you for listening. Uh, our, our dear diehard listeners, including Sessie's spouse. Thank you for listening. Thank you for not mocking me too poorly. (laughs) Sessie's spouse. Um, and uh, I want to say, uh, if you like the show, tell folks. I, I think the show's great, and I love making it, and I hope we get to keep making it. Um, but if you told folks about it, that would make it much easier to justify yes. in our schedules to keep making it. So just let folks know uh, we love doing it, and uh, we hope that you have a listening to it. Um, in addition to that, you can rate, review us on your podcatching app of choice. You can catch us at Crypt speakers on Twitter, you can follow me at Jay the Cake Thief.
0: And you can find me online at sussy.dev.
1: Oh, a website. Nice. We also have a website, Cripspeakers.com. So check that out if you want to see a picture of Jeffrey Tambor in his penguin esque fat suit. Uh, we'll yes. definitely be posting a picture of that there. Um, and if I can figure out a way to post a great GIF I found, I might find a way if I can put it there as well. Um, uh, thank you, as always, to Molly Fancher for our intro and outro music, Mr. N. You can find them on Bandcamp. They are making psychobilly music out in Russia, so they are super rad. Um, and uh, with that, I don't think I have anything else to say. Uh, thank you, thank you, thank you. And we'll see you next time, kiddies!